Hey families, your sister Jocelyn here and welcome to another episode of Faith on the Journey. Today's broadcast is actually a throwback show from a couple years ago when I was first getting started. When I first began my show, I actually only released it on YouTube and there was a couple episodes that were really good that got lost in the archives. And so I wanted to release this episode for my podcast audience to enjoy. So I hope you get as much out of this episode as I did. Now let's get started with the show. I am so blessed to have my sister in Christ, Miss Rachel Washington, joining me. This is an anointed woman of God. Let me just tell you. <laughs> she is a songwriter. She is a, a singer whose voice will just send you into worship. She's so active in ministry. She's traveled around the world proclaiming the message of God. And so we are just blessed to have you with us, Rachel, for all the things that you're doing. I just want to welcome you to the show. We just want to make sure that we learn a little bit about you for those who've never had the opportunity to, to hear your music or to hear from you, hear you speak. Let's uh, learn a little bit more about how you got into the ministry. I'm a pastor's kid. Um, so I kind of tend to say I've been in ministry like since the womb, but being a pastor's kid, you can only imagine, you know, people say pastor's kids, you know, sometimes are the worst kids, but kind of at an early age, I can say basketball, basketball and music kind of simultaneously were, you know, kind of the loves of my life. If you would, you know, if I could say that I kind of pursued basketball more, that's just what I wanted to do. I have four older brothers, you know, by nature, as long as I can remember, I've, I've just been a tomboy at heart. And so I took the path of, you know, basketball, but ministry was always still, you know, just a part of me. I played drums at the church, you know, I sang, but it wasn't kind of until I got to college that basketball, kind of that era of my life was done. Got the opportunity to, you know, uh, try out for WNBA and kind of some things, you know, didn't happen the way that I thought necessarily would happen. So then that kind of, you know, switched my gears a little bit to ministry. And um, and from there, I began recording, traveling, speaking. And um, and it just kind of became just a burden on my heart to actually want to do this. Ever since my mom, mom would say, ever since I was like a kid, I was just kind of drawn to the underdog for some reason. I have no idea. And so to me, basically, it's like that just even just translated into ministry is that like I am really just drawn to the brokenhearted. I'm drawn to the person that feels like they have no hope, that feels like I, I don't have a chance. I'm too dirty. I'm too messed up. I'm like, oh, this is where I want to be right here. And so that's kind of, you know, what drives me uh, in ministry. And that's that's what I do, you know, full time. You know, being a pastor's kid, you know, sometimes we, we have to do everything from usher to, the you know, accountants to everything. So pretty much anything ministry i just kind of like like to do it so that's that's me in a nutshell love it and so much more when i was reading your bio i was like what <laughs> this woman is impressive and the thing that i love about you rachel is that you you don't let other people define you the only person mm -hmm. the only being that you you answer to really is god in terms of your you're going to shine how you shine if you know what i mean and have you always been bold about your style about the way that you approach ministry I actually have. I mean, it's super crazy. I've always been comfortable in my own skin. I've always struggled like with bullies and with people that would, uh, you know, take advantage or abuse or hurt, you know, um, on other people. I always, even from middle school, like I would, I would go and fight the bully, and then I'll come back to that person and be like, "Hey, stay 
stand up for yourself. You know who you are. Like, I've just always, always been like that. And so it's kind of like when it would come to myself, you know, I would be like, yo, like I, I wore glasses. I remember this uh, boy and I, I thought he was super duper cute. When I tell you he was dogging me and it was the first time I was actually in middle school and my little heart was just broken because I thought he was cute, you know, and I found myself just kind of just whatever. So I don't took my glasses off. I have four. I'm negative 20 in both eyes. So I'm, yeah, so I, stigmatisms, is horrible. I took my glasses off. I couldn't see nothing. I felt like I couldn't hear nothing. And so I literally, like, I remember literally, like, stumbling. I got up to go to the front of the class and literally end up, like, stumbling. And I literally stopped. And I said, what the heck am I doing? Like, seriously, what am I doing? I went and I put my glasses back on. And I turned around and I said, Rosie. I said, first of all, I can't even believe that I had a crush on a dude named Rosie. And I just started going in. You know what I'm saying? Now, maybe it wasn't the nicest thing in the whole wide world, but I'm telling you, I just started going in. And from there, it was just kind of like, yo, you know what? I wear glasses. There's some things I can change, some things I can't change. But at the end of the day, I'm going to be exactly who God created me to be because there's only, I mean, you know what I'm saying? There's only one me. And I just really, I think about Jesus. Back in the day, you know, you had the Pharisees and the Sadducees, you know, they, they wore the robes and, you know, they were very distinct even in their garments so people could recognize them. But then it's like Jesus, you know, came on the scene and guess what? One of the main things that they attacked was how he looked and how he dressed and how he looked, you know, like normal people and the, and the common person. I kind of look at Jesus like that of saying, yo, this is who I am. I'm not even going to wear this. I'm not even going to wear that. I'm going to be exactly, you know, who I am. And so to me, I feel like everybody's not gonna like you. Uh, everybody's not gonna, you know, uh, agree with what you, you know, what, what you wear, what you look like. I mean, I'm running around with one side of my head shaved. They're gonna talk about what your sexuality, to you know, your saneness, to your being hip, to being more relevant. Period. I have people saying, "Man, you don't look like a pastor." I'm, I'm an ordained pastor, and they always say, and I'm just like, "Well, what does the pastor look like?" You know. And so, I believe that when we don't really embrace who God has made us to be and called us to be in our own beautiful, distinct individuality, then I feel like we're like slapping him in the face and basically saying, yo, you made a mistake. It's always been, I can say at different times in my life, so it's been a little difficult because it's just like, dude, like, why does it have to be? But at the end of the day, I'm the only one that has to come home with me, you know? And so I like to side my head shaved, so that's what I'm going to do. I like it too. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, you obviously had to work to that point though, Rachel, <laughs> in terms of even though you you might have been confident, that stuff still hurts. We're human, right? Oh, yeah. And I, I want to talk to you more about your journey towards overcoming shame hmm. in your life, getting to the point where you didn't feel the the shackles of shame because I call it shackles for a reason. It can lock you up in bondage. And so, what tell us a little bit about your story? When I think about when I think about like shame, and I was listening to what you were saying also too. That there's a difference between guilt, you know, and shame. Things that that we've done. I'm not gonna say that I haven't struggled at times with like shame of that, like just something that I've done. And it's like, man, I feel the shame of it. But then I do exactly what you said. You know, I've said, you know, man, Rachel, you are this way, or or this is who you are. And you know, and and, and it turns into something that is like, yo, just just chill out. To me, all of those things are, are ir irrelevant. What I'm going to actually say now is something that I think is very relevant for right now um, and where somebody might be right now. That I'm actually right now on a journey of 
every day releasing shame. I have four older brothers. The one closest to me, he uh, kind of fell on some just some hard times. So instead of, you know, just saying to, you know, me and my mom and, you know, my dad and stuff like, yo, I'm broke as a joke. I'm falling on hard times. I need some help. Um, he kind of wasn't honest with his situation. And so uh, he said, you know, hey, I need some money um, to do this. I need some money to do that. And, you know, being a good little, you know, little sister, you know, I sent him, you know, money. Um, I was just like, yo, I got your back. Yada, yada, yada. Found out maybe a couple of months after that, he made a bad decision to financially make sure that he was okay because he just was struggling and ended up going to jail. And that thing just angered me of seeing my mom, you have a collect call from, you know, and just having to see her go through that. What I found later, you know, in talking to my best friend, I was just tremendously hurt. Like, why are you just going to tell me? Like, you know, come on, man. Why are you just going to tell me? Whatever, whatever. Uh, long story short, he ends up getting out. When he got out, he tried to call. I ain't want to pick up his call. You know, I was like, no, nah, we ain't doing this. Matter of fact, I'm baby Jesus. I decide when I forgive you. I decide when you, you know, when you get forgiveness. And he would kind of like periodically talk to my mom and just stuff. You know, he, he always called me Piggy. Um, you know, that was just you know, my name growing up. So he's like, you know, is Piggy there or... Is she still mad at me? And my mom would say, you know, just give her some time, give her some time, give her some time. So last year, I got sent on a cruise to uh, actually finish writing a book. And I don't know what it was, but he had, uh, he sent a message on Facebook and he said, you know, he was kind of like talking to me and I kind of a little bit started to kind of talk to him. But I said, you know what? Enough is enough. I'm going to go ahead on and I'm going to I'm going to give him, I'm going to finally give him a call. And I said, but I'll do it when I get off of the boat. Got off the boat, ended up going to grab something to eat. And then got another call that came in and said, you know what? I'll wait till I get on the road and then I'll give him a call. And so while I was in the restaurant, just taking care of some business and stuff like that, my sister called and I was just like, yo, why are you in the closet? Like sitting down and, you know, our family is jokesters and stuff like that. And so she finally caught her breath and said, Rachel, Reggie just dropped dead. And I said, okay, you, you joking, you know? And she like took the covers like off her head cause she was literally in, in the closet with covers over her head. She was like, Rachel, he just died. And I'm telling you my world crashed down. I almost threw up food, you know, that I had just eaten. I literally got up, I left, you know, matter of fact, shoot, I left. $40 for some tacos. I need to go back to that place and get my change. But anyway, I literally walked out of the restaurant and I'm walking up and down the street, like mad at God. Like what, what? So I'm calling his phone. It's not going through. And literally I was like, God, I was going to call him when I got on the road. Why did you, my brother just, what in the world? And literally like in that moment, I didn't feel God's comfort right then and there. I really felt God because the way I approach him is like really like a relationship. And I literally almost as clear as day felt like I heard God say, then nobody tell you to play God. Then nobody tell you Rachel to decide when you're going to forget. What if I did that to you? What, what, what if I decided like you, you, I always forget, but you decided to drag this on. You were just so hurt and you, you decided, you decided. And so no man knows the day or the hour. Tomorrow's not promised for anybody, but you had time after time, after time, after time, after time to forgive and to love, but you decided. And at that moment in time, I just, just the guilt 
and the shame, literally like Rachel, you are, what kind of a sister are you? What kind of a believer are you? It plagued me and plagued me and plagued me. And I can honestly tell you to this day, it's only been a year since he's been gone, that at some point during the day, every single day, shame creeps up. And it's it's something to be able to just say, you know what, I am this, or you know what, I'm not even qualified. You know what, how about I don't even be in relationship because I could do this again. At that moment, release it. I have to say, you know what, first of all, Satan, get thee behind me, like for real. And then I'm honest with myself, like, right? Oh, gonna, this thing is gonna, it's just, it's going to be an earthly bothering you. It's, it's just gonna come up. But then I say, you know what, Lord, I release like the shame that I even felt of not being able to call. I even release some of the guilt, Lord, and I give it to you because you actually forgive. You do understand. You know, and people have ministered to me like, you know, because I actually Facebooked him, um, responded to a um, to a comment the night, the night before I got off of the boat. And that was such a gift. But guess what? When shame is there, it don't even matter because my thing is I didn't pick up the phone. He didn't hear my voice. And so every single day I have to release that and not allow the lies of the enemy to say, you know what? You didn't do this. You didn't do this. He didn't even, he died. You didn't even get a chance. How dare you? And so I think what's so important right now is releasing shame isn't just like a one-time thing that that thing comes up, whether it's something you've done in your life, you know, it can be recent, it can be past. The enemy, his job is to recycle and to use the stuff that we just, as, as humans, he can't do anything else. That's why he, his name is Deceiver. He's the author of lies. So it's his job to continue to put those things right there. And then he finds out what we pick. And he's like, oh, okay, Rachel, he knows. that thing with my brother, he knows is deep. So it's like, he just keeps doing, keep doing it, and keeps doing it, keeps doing it, keeps doing it, keeps doing it, keeps doing it. And so the more I begin to say, you know what, man, let it go, let it go. You know, my sister always, you know, is, 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 is telling me, Rachel, you know, don't forget, you know, don't forget, don't forget, don't forget. He's a, he's an author. He's the author of lies, author of lies, author of lies. So once I do that, it's like, oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Okay, God, I get it. And then you know what's so crazy? God's kind of like, Rachel, yo, you didn't forgive, but I forgave you. Like, dude, let it, let freaking go. <laughs> like, let it go. And so it's, it's an everyday thing, you know, no matter what you've gone through, no matter what you've been through, it's like it happened as a kid. I, I deal with women a lot that are just like, you know, Rachel, you know, but you don't understand. I can't let it go. It happened when I was a kid. And I said, that's okay. And some of them look at me. I'm like, yeah, it's okay. Does it matter? But, but what we have to get to is how do we, how, how are we going to release it every day? How are we going to release it every day, every day, every day? You know, and I tell people, other ministers, like, chill out with people. You don't understand. You know, I, I, I have a friend that, you know, that, that had a miscarriage. And this was years upon years ago. But she could be looking at something on TV and, and see something like that triggers. See what I'm saying? And so we feel like, oh, in the name of Jesus, you should be healed. And if you're struggling with this, something's wrong with you. No, it's not. I believe something's a little off if we can't get to the point after we cry, after we feel that thing to say, okay, Lord, I, I now release it. I'm human. Now, Lord, I continue to release this. I continue to let this go. And I place it in your hands. So it's not like I've really like released shame. It's I am releasing every day just the shame when the devil decides he wants to bring something in my face. That's how I fight him. I release it. Amen. Oh, man. Rachel, that was 
That's a powerful story. I appreciate you sharing mm -hmm. that because I know it hit somebody in the heart, yeah. especially when those things happen that are deep, that you care yeah. about. The devil likes to torment us. And when you were talking about your story and the process of what the devil likes to do, I describe it as him rolling in front of you in your living room, a big screen TV that replays over and over again what happened, what you did to try to remind you of that thing. And like you said, when he does that, when he tries to bring shame in front of you, then we have to choose again to release. Yeah. And so I appreciate you talking about that process because sometimes we, we say like, what's wrong with me? Why am I still struggling with something from right. 10, 20 years right. ago? But we're human. And yes, the devil's going to try, try and try again. He ain't, he don't have new tricks. He do the right. old <laughs> over and over again. Over and over again. Yeah. And so this is obviously something that you're very passionate about in ministry. You have mm -hmm. a women's organization called Release Women's Encounter. Yes. Tell us about that. It's uh, kind of crazy. It actually started on my 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 latest album which is a couple of years ago i uh, i wrote a song called release there are songs that i write um just kind of in my quiet time with god and then there are songs that i write you know to you know release or to record i wrote release in my quiet time with god and god said obviously he knew what was happening and what was coming up but he was like i want you to put this on the album and i said no i'm not putting this on the album this is between me and you like you know chill out so if you <clears throat> get the album You'll find out that there's four songs that are just like piano and string. Those were my quiet time songs. And I was like, Lord, you tripping. Like, for real, God. See, that's how we talk. We have a relationship. I'm like, look, baby Jay, you tripping for real. This is just for you. And God was like, Rachel, I want you to release. I want you to release this. Like, I'm doing something. And I literally, I had attitude with God. I said, you know what, Lord? First of all, I'm not recording it. And second of all, I'm not telling you no more of my secrets. Because it's like, do you want me to tell my secret to the world? that I said, you tripping, you tripping. So I called uh, one of my trusted uh, musicians, actually lives here in Chicago, uh, Tyler Standard, that just musically gets me. And he basically said, yo, you know, Rachel, this, you know, great song. And so he was like, I hear string, I mean, I hear drums here and a buildup. I said, I do too. But this is just supposed to be piano and string because this is what God wants to do. And he said, oh, he said, this is different from you. I said, yeah, it is. So here goes kind of some of the, are you going to be what God has called you to be? Or are you going to worry about other people? And so I just, and so I literally got to the point that I literally said, you know what, Lord, if I lose fans, if I lose supporters, if I lose, I'd rather be, and this is kind of how I live my life. I'd rather be 100% myself and lose than to win being somebody else. And, and that happens, you know, that we get caught up in that thing. So I put release on the album, and to this day, let me tell you something. I put my blood, sweat, and tears into that album. I actually spent the most money on that particular album. But four songs that people comment the most about, love the most, and I get brought in to sing, and them doggone four songs with piano and string. I was like, for real? Like, are you kidding me, people? And so release actually um, was just my heart cry of just saying, Lord, you know, I release to you everything that holds me back. I release to you everything that breaks your heart. I release everything so that you can increase in me. And it was really my heart cry because a lot of times we ask God for stuff like, Lord, if I'm good enough, I'll get this. Or Lord, if I do this, I'll get this. But it was a time in my life where I just said, man, Lord, I kind of want more of you for myself. And so I want to release anything so that you can increase in me. I want you, not what you can give me. See, there's a difference. Not what you can give me. But I just want you. I just want you. And so um, that song just, I mean, after even I wrote it, 
kind of started ministering to me and and my mom was listening to it and i mean and literally god has healed her i mean her her testimony is so crazy you, you probably wouldn't even believe her if she really like told you her testimony she picked me up from the airport one night and we were just sitting in the garage we would always that's kind of like was our talking place and she just started crying and she would just start you know just talking about a few things she was just like rachel i, I released this i released this and i was just listening to her and she started sharing a few other things from her childhood that she was just like i hadn't even gotten in touch with and i was like yo mama like that's deep and so she said to me, she was like, Rachel, we have been to every conference that there is in life, whether we put it on, we worked at it, sang minister at it, but we have never been to a gathering or a conference or a place where it's just an atmosphere that's set and time is given so that you can release whatever's holding you back. And she said, Rachel, what if, and me and my mom are like visual people. She says, Rachel, what if you had a conference? Um, and at first I was like, uh-uh, conferences, church plants are the devil. No, everything's too hard to, you know, so here goes the enemy. Mm-mm. She says, what if you had that, but you, you structured it to, it was for any and every woman in the world because whatever they were carrying or whatever's holding them back, it would be touched on because the atmosphere was just set. That whatever is holding you back. And I just was kind of like, yo, that's what's up. Because I had literally been to three different conferences, like sang or ministered at three different conferences where I actually was in a, a place of wanting kind of retreat and none of those needs were met at all. And I was very, very frustrated. And I just said, yo, that's that's what's up. Like, hmm, let me see. And so from there, I started uh, release um, my nonprofit, Release Women's Encounter. And Release Women's Encounter, um, basically it release just stands for um, helping women to release whatever's holding them back from fulfilling purpose. And that goes from, um, you know, kind of a a big conference type setting, gathering type setting, worship night type setting. Um, I've also created um, Release University, uh, which is a leadership development course because, you know, you can go to the altar, everything could be great and wonderful, but then it's like, what happens afterwards? Then we have Bible studies, uh, that we do. And then from there, I've, I've since moved to Florida. And so now I'm saying, okay, how can we um, partner with halfway houses? How can we partner with women's shelters? Um, so release women's encounter. Um, it's, it's kind of that it's, it's kind of like my baby women that are coming. I'm telling you the women that have come through release, Lord have mercy, have dealt with are dealing with you name it, any and everything under the sun. And so creating a safe place for them to be able to release, to be able to fall apart. And then we we walk with them to fulfill, you know, to fulfill purpose. And so Release Women's Encounter came out of a song, you know, that I wrote. And then from there, um, it just really has become kind of like, I believe it's, it's, it's part of my destiny as it, you know, begins to unfold and what God is doing with it and stuff like that. So that's what that's about. Oh, that's powerful, Rachel. And it's funny that you shared that you didn't want to write the song. <laughs> you were... We're hard-headed like we tend to all be. And you see how God was able to use that act of obedience Mm. to bless people around the world. Mm. So we praise God for that. 
And one thing that I, I want to reiterate is that song release is so powerful. I played it in a women's group that I was a part of mm-hmm. and it brought people to tears. It just, when you listen to it, it just sends chills down your back because mm-hmm. we all have something that we need to release. Taliba, who is a good girlfriend of mine, just made a comment how heavy that, that burden can be. But when we release it, that song just speaks to your soul. So I encourage you to pick up the CD if you have not already. It's mm-hmm. powerful. But that's just something that God has given you, an anointing when it comes to worship. Mm-hmm. And you and I have had the opportunity to have conversations around the power of worship. And I think sometimes we underestimate that as believers. And so I want you to expound upon that a little bit in terms of the power of worship. I actually am um, almost uh, completed with editing and stuff like that. Uh, um, A book that I'm writing is um, entitled Colorless Worship. And as I've dug really deep, you know, even more um, into, you know, worship, God's heart for worship, it's blown me away of of how kind of simple it is and then how big it is. The, the fundamental thing that hit me in between the eyes probably about a year and a half ago is that work that when you're going through something, you can have loved ones that are there. You can have some people turn alcohol, drugs, sex. You can have, you know, those type of things that are there. But there's nothing really in this world that takes your focus off of that thing, takes your focus off of yourself when you're going through, except for worship. Worship is the only thing that literally takes your focus off of the hell that is right in front of you and places it really on God. And it's crazy the times that I've actually been frustrated or mad about something. And I actually would try it. I'd be frustrated, mad about something that, you know, my first thing would be wanting to go put on, you know, some old hip hop or some, you know, but bone thugs and harmony or something like that, you know, like, you know, that old school stuff, just, you know, just kind of like, yeah, yeah. And I'm just like, you know what, I'm going I'm, I'm to try something. I put on some, some, uh, some worship or something like that. And it's just like, yeah. And it's so funny. It's like, first it kind of starts, it, it makes me a little bit more angry because there's a, a war going on now. And I'm just like more angry. And I'm just like, man, don't I want to hear this, man, whatever. And it starts kind of just, oh Lord, what's happening? It's just kind of like, man. And then you start just kind of like letting it loose like God. You know, here am I. Like, what's the, oh, Jesus Christ? What has happened? Oh my goodness! And before you know it, it's your breath in my lungs. We pour out our praise. We pour out our praise. And before you know it, hands all lifted up, crying, looking ugly, snotting. You know, and you just like, whoa! And it's so funny. The moment that I stop worshiping, it's like, boop, that problem's there. That 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 issue's right there. And so there is crazy power because. Worship really is putting our focus on something other than ourselves. So worship is different of praising God. Worship is just because of he, that he just exists. And so we can't be selfish doing that. You know, we can't be like, yo, Rachel, I look good, man. Lord, I just, you know, I lift you up because you're king of kings and you're Lord of Lord. It, it just doesn't go together. When we actually do what worship is, Lord, I just, for who you are, God, you know what I'm saying? Like, Lord, I, I just, I, I worship you for who? So now you're even talking and you're, you're putting your focus there. You don't have time for this that's over here. You, you just, you just don't have time for that. And so to me, why worship is so important. The moment that we take our eyes off of Christ and stop our worship, we then put our eyes on our stuff. And then when we put our eyes on our stuff, 
that's where shame starts coming in. That's where guilt starts coming in. I know for me, I'm a fix it by nature. So that's when I start trying to fix stuff. I be breaking stuff. I be jacking up stuff. And God is like, Rachel, you wouldn't even be in this situation. And I'm thinking just last two, three, four, five months. If I really think about this situation that I'm in or that situation that happened, oh man, I can see where I stopped letting God be on the throne. And I told him, hey, get up for a second. Let me sit down because I can handle this better. I don't really trust you. You're not kind of doing it the way I need it to go or it's not making sense or I'm upset. You letting this, my enemy get away too much. They run in your mouth too much, God. And you know, that's not the truth. And you know, so I need to take matters into my own hand. I need to do. And God's kind of like, yo, you took your, you're taking your eyes off of me. And so I have something in kind of my prayer time. I'm like, Lord, give me horse blinders. You know, like the horses that are in a race, they have, they have the blinders on and they have to have that because horses attention span is just like that. So the moment a horse goes like that, it's costing them the race. The moment a horse does like that, you know, probably tripping or, or toppling over. So it's distinctively crucial for horses to have that. So guess what? They can only see what is in front of them. And so I tell God in situations in my life, Lord, give me horse blinders. Let me give, give me horse blinders and I'm only focusing on you. And then I drowned out the noise with the worship. Amen. I hope that spoke to somebody because that definitely spoke to me. Hmm. And, and that's something that we all have to daily. We talk about yeah. daily work here, just like you daily release the shame. When it mm -hmm. comes to these things, the temptation to put yourself on a throne and say, God, you can take a break is there for all of us. Whatever that thing is that we might idolize to put before God, anything that we put before God becomes an idol. Mm -hmm. We all can find ourselves doing that. And so I appreciate your honesty and we can learn from that story. I know many of us have never heard that people, people really need to know how they can get in touch with you and follow the work. So if, if as we close, tell us if there's anything else that's special coming up and how we can make sure that we stay in touch. I'm, I'm pretty vocal um, on uh, Facebook. Um, you know, and Instagram, you can follow release women's encounter. It's release women's E. So it's release women's in the East to stand for encounter. It's a little bit too long. So, um, I try to keep, you know, things, you know, kind of female driven, you know, that way, you know, guys want to tiptoe over there, you know, they can too. On my regular Instagram and Facebook, I'm usually kind of, you know, keeping people in the loop. And then from there, um, I'm going to be recording some new music. Um, you know, you can find all that definitely on iTunes, but you know, through social media outlets, uh, you know, I'll keep you posted. That's great. I'm excited. I can't wait to get your next CD. Hey. It's going to be good. I'm telling y'all, don't Absolutely. miss out. Absolutely. I appreciate you, Rachel. I, I appreciate how authentic and real you are, even just modeling your relationship with God. And that's the thing that I think sometimes we miss is that we don't have to always pray to God, oh, holy than thou. Mm. And, and like, you know, just have this where we're just so formal with it. When we right. have a relationship with someone, when we have that level of intimacy, we could just be honest and say, God, this is what I'm struggling with. This is what's going on. And I just appreciate that about you and your relationship. I appreciate your worship and your love for God and what you're doing for people and how you're helping them to release. So that's it for this episode of Faith on the Journey. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, you know what to do. Please leave a five-star review and share this episode with a friend. Also, if you're interested in exploring our Christian counseling resources or participating in a trauma healing group training, please visit our website at faithonthejourney.org. Again, that is faithonthejourney.org. Until next time, family, you stay encouraged and you keep your faith on the journey.